Hello and welcome to Game Jelly. This is the show where we design a game in real time. I am Tiern Costello. I'm a designer and musician, and I'm coming to you from a little island in Sweden. And I'm Keening Shimeri. I'm a designer and artist, and uh, I am so happy to have you on the show, Tiern. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading here that you uh, are coming to me from a little island off the coast of Sweden. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's right. Uh, how are you doing today? I was, I'm doing... <laughs> i'm doing great i don't know how to be a guest on a podcast i don't know what guests on podcasts do hey it's okay you're doing great already you just gotta be comfortable you gotta keep it brief because we only got so many <laughs> guests that we can put on a given episode because we gotta hit three ad breaks this episode first time listeners are are not if this is your first episode you're probably very confused about the fact that the guest of the show introduced the show and introduced himself first. <laughs> right. It's a really innovative new uh, format we're working with here. Yeah. Um. So you have a pitch for us today, right? I do. So I initially was planning on bringing sort of a more cerebral sort of art game pitch. A lot of people were going to be like, wow, I guess video games are art. R Roger Ebert was wrong after all. But then... I kept on thinking about that little gameplay demonstration that they recently put out for the sequel to Breath of the Wild. And I really wanted to do something that was sort of more adventure focused, sort of in that realm. So I decided to go back to a little pitch that I had thought of a little while earlier. So the game starts and you wake up in a sort of sanctum of concrete and stone uh, structures with I picture it having sort of uh, like rusted metal rebar and sort of pieces coming out of it that have these intricate mechanisms all around this room a lot of like pulleys and sort of scales and uh, various levers and things like this and then coating all of this there's a bunch of plants there's ivy everywhere and sunlight sort of is dappling through from the ceiling you don't really know what to do with this, so you adventure out into the world, and you fight monsters, and, you know, help people in towns, and this sort of thing. But as you do, you come across a sort of stone tablet that has an image of a hero running very quickly, and another stone tablet of these monsters that you've been fighting, but sort of bigger than any you've seen before. Uh, so you take these back to that sanctum from the beginning and you try inserting them on two different sides of a machine one of these mechanisms and what you find is that you can pull this lever and as you do your character is able to run faster on the side of the tablet that shows this hero running but the enemies around you get bigger as you do because the other side of this mechanism is also increasing their size so the premise here is basically that these structures in this space allow you to affect the game's parameter sliders like you'd see in a game engine. And you are collecting these tablets that let you basically plug different variables into these different mechanisms and affect the world around you by doing this that's really cool so, so that makes me think actually the first or like one of the very first game ideas i ever had when i was a kid was for sort of a portal-esque game where there are these challenge rooms that you find and outside you can insert modules like like computer chips or something in that change things within the room so maybe lower the lower the gravity maybe you know, every five seconds, you could kind of program with it. So it's like, oh, here's the every five seconds chip, and you put that in. Here's the shift gravity 90 degrees chip, and you put that in. So then it becomes every five seconds, shift the gravity 90 degrees. And that makes it easier to, or that helps you solve the puzzles in this room, helps you fight the monsters in this room, whatever it is. That's very similar, I feel, to the to this pitch. But yours is kind of taking a more like Breath of the Wild atmosphere to it. Exactly. Yeah, I. that's a really cool idea for a game, little Tyrion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I basically feel like it would be an interesting way of interfacing with the balancing of the game. And it's just a fun decision of like, you know, like I have to pick some negative thing 
in order to give myself this buff. So, like, if I want to make my attacks stronger, maybe I could connect it to a mechanism that would make the enemies, you know, health greater. That's kind of a weird one because then maybe it just cancels out. But, you know, you're you're picking these trade-offs that you feel like will be beneficial to you, which I think could pose a really interesting, you know, bit of decision-making. And then also, I do think there's some opportunity for puzzles where maybe in some places there are more of these mechanisms and you're able to affect things within some smaller puzzle area. Right, 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 right. I would love to see what a picture of someone running really fast looks like, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was thinking, I think it would have to be a figure and then text would appear when you pick it up that says what it does because it would be very hard to depict that just in pictographs yeah i think one thing i'll say right off the bat here is i think it would be good to introduce these two things one by one so introduce you get this thing that clearly looks like oh if you this this would fit right into that one spot on the in the sanctum and you put it in and it doesn't do anything and you're really confused and maybe you even get another buff before you get the nerf thing. So so for the record, a buff is something that makes you stronger. A nerf is a detriment to the player. So I guess we'll just call these tablets a buff tablet and a nerf tablet for this. So a good one and a bad one. So it'd be kind of cool if you got you could have this big centerpiece altar with these two spots for tablets to go into. And one is very dark and gloomy and designed very, you know, snaking purple ominous kind of vibes and the other is designed very like all the ivy has grown on that side all the all the plant life wraps around that beautifully so so you know just visual language to the player that you could also do it yin and yang where the positives go into the the bad one and the negatives go into the good one because i feel like i hear this and i immediately think this is a game about balance but then my point here is just that the beginning of the game should have you try to get these buffs and not sacrifice anything for it and it just doesn't work That's a really good way of teaching the player. Yeah, and I think that you'd have to have obstacles that couldn't be overcome so they know they need to get stronger. They know they need to get the super speed to run up that steep hill that they can't climb right now, or they know they need to get the super strength to break that one rock. So it's in the player's head that they want this buff. They find the tablet. It doesn't work. And then they have to find the the bad tablet for it to work. And, And maybe it could start to be, oh, but you're sacrificing more than just yourself. It's also these monsters are bigger you're super powerful, but hey, the people in the village aren't. And now these monsters are way bigger in this village. Right. Uh, part of what I think is interesting about this game is that apparently your character is the only one who can sort of alter reality in this way. And first of all, I think it might make sense if I, I think the obvious thing is maybe some villain can also do something like this. But also, I think it would be interesting to do this is maybe jumping ahead to a twist too early. But the twist that I've kind of been thinking about with this is that you realize that these tools are really changing reality. They're like rewriting it. And basically what you realize is your character was created using these mechanisms. Whoa. So they're just placed into this world. They don't have a backstory in this world. And they are just here now. And that's why they sort of can interface with these mechanisms in the way that they can. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. I like that because it immediately puts in the player's mind this question of, you know, there are all these dualities in this idea. There's the the positive and the negative, And there's the natural and the unnatural with this, you know, these... The way you described the original sanctum is clearly human built, but it's been overtaken with nature. And so then the idea that you came from the earth kind of puts you as one side of some duality. And it makes you wonder if you are the good or the bad of that. You know what I mean? And that can be the character's kind of crisis through the whole thing. But then I think it would have to arrive at, no, you're you're a person. And so you contain multitudes within yourself and have these dualities within yourself you're not one half of a duality even if we make it appear that you are because we would have this kind of yin and yang 
set of visuals to the thing. It's like you can be more on one side or the other, but you still have both within you. One of my favorite approaches to sort of a morality system in games is in Hollow Knight, where it basically just gives you opportunities to do good things and help people, and then also do things that seem to be bad, seem to hurt people or negatively affect the world in some way. And it doesn't really tell you whether your character is good or bad, and you just kind of have to decide for yourself whether the sum of their actions is good, which I just think is such a cool approach and such an interesting you know, like, it's one of those things where it makes you lean in and, you know, pay closer attention because of that. And I think that could be an interesting aspect of this game, if you kind of get that sense of, it's really about the sum of this character's actions, even if they exist on this duality thing. It's just sort of like, are they doing good or are they doing bad? I think something interesting that complicates it is that thing we were talking about of the positives they choose, make the game more fun, make the character more powerful, make them potentially more capable of good, but the negatives they choose are kind of universally bad. So just by engaging with the mechanic in the first place, you are putting yourself at risk of of doing more harm than good. And it could be kind of interesting if it were... I feel like you always propose the small ant games, the games (laughs) that like streamers could really have fun with and do really cool stuff with. I, I can imagine it being that you can kind of choose not to engage with this mechanic not even touch the bad for the good and then the consequences of that could be interesting of like you because it could have the the lesson of no you need to you need to make some sacrifices at some point you need to accept that to do good in the world you have to live with the less good things that you do um but it could also be interesting if you took the undertale approach of it's totally possible to do that run and it gets you totally different dialogue from everyone and totally different, you know, uh, everything, totally different gameplay experience, story experience, all that stuff. Yeah, I think, oh, because like part of me wants to say it should be limited how much it will punish you story-wise for making the game more fun, just because I think it could be a very cool, like I think it's a cool enough risk-reward decision on its own just in gameplay but it's very compelling i mean first of all it, it could be cool to have some bigger decisions that you're making in this way maybe there's some mechanism that you know has two key story items that you have to include on either side in order to do some part of your quest but it will negatively affect the world so like there's interesting things to do there it could be really cool if that is if there are some optional things like that. But also, it's it's really interesting to think about if you make the monsters bigger and scarier, how does that affect the people in the town? And, you know, I think there's a version of it that's just like the people in the town will say, oh, the monsters are so big and scary. That's too bad. And then you just have a moment of like, oh, it's neat that the game is listening. But I think you're right that there's some Undertale version of this that would be sort of like mind-blowing that the game was listening in that way yeah for sure what could it be other than the monsters going wait i need to look this word up okay i was right i was right i could have just i could have just gone for it going like kaiju mode (laughs) leave all that in um yeah so i have a couple of ideas one i think it would be neat if different mechanisms moved in different ways so some of them when you put one value up the other one goes down and some of them you are moving multiple values at the same time so for the monster size to player speed example both of them are going in the same direction but i think it could be cool if also there are things where you could put player speed in one side and player health in another and then when you increase player speed player health goes down i think for the monsters you could also do like monster attack power you could basically break it up into all of the variables that would be in the game. So like monster attack power, monster speed, monster. Maybe you could do things with like techniques that the the monsters can use. So they have more different attacks if you put in a certain tablet. I think there should be some tablets that are just, I picture a mechanism that's like a, a set of scales 
and you can put just fully new powers not on a, a sliding scale just a true or false thing where you can gain the ability to shoot fireballs or whatever and something else that's just true or false becomes true about the monsters or again maybe there's stuff with like yourself too where you have fireballs but you can't jump or something like that right and i think it would be fun because then you can have you know the wolf monster standing on its hind legs and doing the karate chop animation that that would just be kind of like a fun piece of this i would kind of like it if um you couldn't put universal things in the positive Eh, but it would be fun it would be fun if you could put universal things in the positive but i like it for the feeling of the game if it's only the good can only affect you the bad is more likely to affect the world yeah i'm torn because that is very cool in sort of a tone way but i did just picture you know like if you need a specific resource you could make it so that that resource is more plentiful or you know like if you could affect the world so that there's more of what you need in it that could be really interesting feeling and it still kind of gets the thing of like this character is playing god with this world and maybe they don't have the right to do that Maybe that's something that happens at some point is you unlock this. At first, it's more buffs for you, buffs for the monsters, but then you start to gain more as as you see what you effect you have on the world and how powerful, how you are playing God. Well, it could be, I, I always kind of think of these things in three-act structures because I think it's a good way to quickly prototype. And it could be act one would be doing that kind of blindly it's not super clear that the game's listening to you act one climax is seeing that it affects people other than yourself seeing that it affects people in these villages act two you'd start to find fewer and fewer monster changes and it starts being that like you have yeah plentiful crops as one and you're more likely you know you put that in the negative because it doesn't affect you the player and then act two climax is realizing how much that's actually hurting the world and seeing how much the game is listening when stuff that's just positive for the livelihood of everyone in this world is just kind of used as a tool for you to kind of burn so that you can get the mask of strength from bionicle um it's kind of tough to do because we're letting the player do anything but i kind of like the idea that the climax of this game could be some type of you know sacrifice where it's just the the you tablet because if you did like you were saying if there is this kind of reveal at some point oh you came from the earth you're not really human you came about as this kind of vessel for all the good in the world and all the bad in the world and kind of this i don't know like you you're kind of this person of very you know mysterious origin who has this weird connection to the earth and this ability to um, change like your own internal balance to take that. And, you know, there is this reveal at that at some point and you could have a climax of the game where there's just a tablet that is the kind of you tablet, the, just the tablet that represents you. It doesn't show a verb. It doesn't show anything. But it's you can put that and there's a, you know, there's a you and there's a world tablet. And it could be kind of a final decision of the game of what order to put those in. That's it is the simplest way of it is the simplest, most literal possible way of doing the climax of any like action movie. Do you sacrifice yourself for the good of the world or do you give up the world for power? It's kind of just us, me arriving at a very literal form of a really tried and true formula. But I think it could be interesting to have a, a climax in this game of just a U tablet, just a world tablet, and realizing these two things can counterbalance each other. And you could have it be that some things can't balance the other uh, because they're not kind of strong enough. And and it, so it could be only the U tablet can balance the world tablet. Only the world tablet can balance the U tablet. I love that. I that's so cool. So so first of all, I'm picturing that there's like levels to the sanctum, and you're 
unlocking more rooms of it with more mechanisms in them as it goes on that are sort of more and more drastic and then that's the final one. Oh, interesting i was just picturing it's always one sanctum oh you were picturing it's just one mechanism yeah and you can always just put one in one side one in the other that's interesting that's really nice in some way i was kind of just thinking just from a like gameplay standpoint i want there to be like builds that you can make so you could choose Mm. to increase your speed and increase your attack power but the obvious one is decrease your health and you know decrease your what else and increase enemy damage so you have like a glass cannon thing i think that that's just fun from gameplay yeah as soon as you say builds it's like you know you have me sold (laughs) so then that's why i was thinking also we can have different sort of types of mechanisms like the true or false ones or like the sliding scale ones or, or different things like that i think it could be cool oh wait hmm this is a lot to keep in my head it is i was just thinking this is the most one of our games has ever really needed us to have a whiteboard yeah for real <laughs> really needed a visual component to this the thing i was just thinking is it would be cool if you learned that you were created using these systems when you found your tablet in half of the mechanism but you maybe don't see the other half until the end of the game oh that's really cool so then that's when you make your decision i mean it could even be so so let's let's imagine this is a sanctum with four connected rooms and you're kind of opening them one at a time so you can keep doing more and more complicated builds and then the fourth is locked for a really long time but you know that your goal is to find the world tablet uh the gaia tablet uh since this is giving me really big final fantasy vibes sorry interrupting myself to say this is the definition of the guy who's only played final fantasy designing a video game (laughs) i'm getting big final fantasy vibes from this so you know that your goal is to unlock this chamber and find the world tablet uh and to literally protect it move it in the positive direction but yeah you go you you unlock this chamber and you realize that the thing in the other side and maybe maybe the thing that's in the positive side is you and it could even be very much like legend of zelda breath of the wild where you don't have your memories and you don't really know who you were before and so this is the first real clue you get of who you were before is you never found the world tablet but you had you had your own tablet in the side that would benefit from the thing on the opposite side being sacrificed and you're like, oh my god, that's who I was. I was, if I had found the world tablet then. And so then you have this this crisis. So maybe we don't even drive home these negative effect points too much. We don't drive home too much that you are sacrificing the good of other people for your own strength. And that's the moment where you, where the player first really realizes that that's what they've been doing the whole time. And that's their nature. When they see that, that's what they were ready to do in the first place. That's so great. I don't know about you, but I think I picture this as being a silent protagonist game. For sure. And I think there's some form of rival character that would really heighten this feeling. I think it would be really interesting if they are also making these big decisions. Ooh, okay. So following that idea of you used to be this you know power hungry character it could be interesting if they were were fighting you on this and part of the arc of the game is them realizing that you're not who you you used to be maybe they're the one who like they set up one of these mechanisms to sort of keep you from the world for this time and then when you wake up at the beginning of this game it's because it like rusted away with this rusted metal component of the sanctum and like broke off that bit of logic in it uh that's cool so then like you know from their perspective you are unleashed upon the world again but they don't know that your memories have been wiped right but you right so essentially essentially it's like oh so what if what if link wakes up in breath of the wild not knowing that he was the scariest villain of all time before this 
and was put to sleep for good reason goes around being this hero doing these good things and then at some point encounters the force that put him to sleep in the first place can't imagine can't possibly imagine that he is a good guy now and plays the villain of the game because they they were the person who finally put a stop to this great evil in the first place and then in this and then in this game it's at some point it is revealed to you uh, to the character and to the player not to hammer it home too hard but it's literally the thing of your sort of rival thinks that you are part of this duality thing but they're realizing that those are just choices you're making yeah no i was kind of thinking the same thing that the rival thing is a really cool red herring because you're thinking oh it's you know oh this game has this constant theme of of balance and you know the one side versus the other but they both have a little of the other within them you know so okay so that's me and my rival right not realizing that you are a force far more powerful than that person they are not at all the yin to your yang you, you know the entire world the entire kind of concept of life on this earth is the other thing here yeah which just builds to such a cool character moment at the end of you know when you've realized this and you have this gut-dropping understanding of what happened you also then have the choice to switch these tablets and and you are the the sacrifice for the good of the world and it makes all the monsters go away and all the ruin in the world be healed and whatever evil you did a hundred years ago or whatever it is is undone in this action the big missing gap for me right now is what the origin of the monsters is but i think that the obvious thing is kind of they were the price for your origin. So when whoever decided that you needed to exist decided that, oh. they decided that the world would, you know, experience this suffering because of these monsters as a price of that. And that was how they paid for it. So in the first place, the, the entity that created you, the character, intended for you to be a good thing had these monsters appear as the price for that then you turned out to be a bad thing so they just created twice as much evil in the world you fall asleep for a hundred years wake up nature versus nurture you have no nurture so you end up being a good thing here and then we have this whole ending that we've discussed that's kind of what you're saying exactly because it could also be the price of the rival locking you up putting you to sleep was these monsters this kind of curse on the world that they caused oh and so then all you have to do is tell the player in the first place yeah you know darth kiwi i don't know i don't have a i'm not good at names the the bad guy created all these monsters 100 years ago at the same time that you fell into a slumber you know what i mean so it's true it's true they did but it was it was the price to pay for doing the right thing right so, okay, I, I really, really like that. I'm trying to picture the mechanisms for that. <laughs> um, the big question I have, I guess, is like what the what the bigger entity than you and your rival is. The Christian God. The... <laughs> that would be Jesus Christ. I'm dusting my hands right now. <laughs> like, problem solved. <laughs> I'm also curious if you think that your rival should be First of all, we don't have to have this character be created of this thing. So that's also an opportunity. But I'm curious if you think your rival should be created from these mechanisms. See, I think not because I think that that's the coolness of the red herring thing I was talking about earlier. Is that the rival is just some dude. It's just like Gary from Pokemon. But you are, meanwhile, you're Xerneas, <laughs> uh, the god Pokemon. Right. That That's really, really good. Oh, well, okay. I, I have a couple of questions. How is our rival still alive? Uh, <laughs> if the character was sleeping for a long time. Um, well, this is two birds with one stone because if we make it a hundred years, we're making a mod of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so yeah. let's let's say it's it's 10 years and then we get cool time skip character designs. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we get young hero back in the day, put this evil entity to rest and, you know, lived as a hermit in the, you know, in the mountains, constantly looking out and seeing this evil he brought into the world as the kind of equivalent exchange 
for laying this evil to rest. And then 10 years later, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, seeing this evil awaken and it doesn't it doesn't undo this other thing. But curiously enough, it's this person who's you, the protagonist, is going around doing good in the world. And you're kind of like watching in this. He's kind of like watching in this reserved way, this kind of like older, wiser guy, just like interesting, very interesting. Um, so, so 10 years. It's a long, long form way of saying it's 10 years and it's, and it's, and he looks like Alec Guinness. That's really, really cool. Because then you also get the conflicted feeling during those 10 years of, was this worth it? Was it actually good to, right? you know, seal, seal this evil away? I mean, it's very Obi-Wan. And I'm so sorry. I just wanted to say, I'm just throwing away my chip. I told Ruth that my goal for today's episode is not to reference any movies and <laughs> star wars is so baked into my soul that i totally forgot star wars is a movie so and i already said darth kiwi earlier anyway uh, you did so that's you didn't hear that i was calling i called the that guy darth kiwi he created the monsters all those years ago oh darth wow. kiwi it was me trying to come up with a name wow but now we do have a name for him which is gary <laughs> cool okay i really like that so the other thing I'm trying to figure out is if the mechanism is you are on one half of it and the monsters are on another half or like putting you to sleep is on one half of it. The monsters are on another half of it. Is that so, 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 so I'm so sorry. You're saying that this is a fifth chamber. This is another chamber somewhere that you find at some point. That is the you sleeping half and the monsters existing half and that kind of broke down your side kind of broke down at some point and glitched and the monsters stayed there that's what you're saying so that's what i was trying to figure out is how does that work i mean i guess maybe it's just they were created and when the balance went away they were still created they just they just didn't go away true true so you can rid the world of this evil they're not going to keep like respawning because you're not asleep i guess so I mean, it can also just be that, yeah, it did, your half broke and the other half didn't and it's, and it's you know, stuck or whatever that is. Or you're just sleepy all the time, <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're just sleepy all the time because the, the monsters are uh, still there, but your your side is kind of, kind of glitched out. It's also like room for a really good false climax of, yeah, the goal of this game is to get rid of all the monsters. So at some point you learn what happened learn that it's because you were put to sleep that these monsters existed you know were brought into being so you so you know that what you have to do is access that chamber and get rid of it and then you know the kind of final push in the game is pulling out the the monsters thing which is what makes them keep coming back and then doing like a sweep of this entire world that's accessible to you getting rid of all of them but then the real at the end of the day, you look around and you just see all the damage that's been done, both by you 10 years ago, by these monsters, by all the sacrifices you've had to make over the course of this game of, you know, giving up the crops for you to be able to do 15 push-ups and impress everyone. <laughs> um, and their clap push-ups too. Um, and like, you see all this damage and you access this final place where you see that you, well, wait, 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 shoot. It was that was supposed to be the reveal. The the room it was supposed to be the reveal where you see that you were ready to sacrifice the world. So you still have that earlier. You have that room earlier where you see that you were ready to sacrifice the world to for yourself or sacrifice the, you know, kind of good of the world. You created a desolate barren wasteland to become the ultimate super being. Um you find that earlier, go through this, you know, decide to choose good, go through this whole go through this whole thing, decide to ignore that room entirely, go through this whole thing to get rid of all the monsters and prove to yourself that you're a good person, look around and realize you haven't really saved the world, it's it's too far gone, and realize the only thing I can do is put the my existence tablet in the kind of sacrificial side and the good of the world tablet in the positive side. And yeah, sacrifice yourself to save the world. But you could also do kill the animals, save the animals from Metroid <laughs> and like just allow the player <laughs> to randomly choose evil. But I wouldn't really want to do that personally. Yeah. The thing I'm basically trying to figure out is 
could we make it so that the existence tablet is the same as the putting you to sleep tablet? Oh. Because I think that would be really clean and very, like, cool in some way. It's tricky that the monsters are supposed to be there when you're not there and also there when you are. Because they're sort of just separate from the duality thing. But that's maybe where it should just be broken. The thing I was thinking is maybe you weren't asleep. Maybe you were literally unwritten, but your tablet still exists. Mm -hmm. That's actually way cooler. That is way, way cooler. So when your rival Gary... uh, Oh. (laughs) Can I say something? Can I jump in here? Mm -hmm. I think we've just arrived at the visual selling point for the game. Because I think the game starts, you flicker into existence, and you're constantly kind of flickering in and out and it's this really weird mystery for the entire game but maybe it's part of your power is this kind of ability to you know phase through walls and stuff like that because you're constantly flickering in and out of existence so it's so it's this you know mystery the whole time why is this happening what is the nature of me at some point you unlock this room and see that that half that the sacrificial half was you for this for this you know for this room the positive half was these was these monsters but the sacrificial half of this particular structure is glitchy and kind of broken and when it kind of broke you started to kind of come back because the sacrificial side isn't really working so you pull it out and now you have the u tablet and you are kind of you kind of come back into fully being and then we fix the the problem of oh how do we do that reveal from earlier by just having it be the world tablet is already in the sacrificial spot and so you know that you were you were going to put your own tablet into the other side into the the positive side okay so so what if the three sort of equivalent tablets are you these monsters and and sort of more broadly this evil force and the Gaia tablet so you in the past were trying to find the Gaia tablet maybe you even had found it but your rival in a desperate attempt to save the world decided it was worth it to unmake you and make these monsters because they had the monster tablet but like you're saying it's sort of this this faulty connection thing where you're half here and now you have to find the Gaia tablet so you can unmake yourself and make the world. Can I just say my only problem with it is I really like that the reveal that you were once this great evil, because you don't know that from the beginning. You learn it at some point. And I really liked that the reveal was either seeing yourself in the the good spot or seeing the Gaia tablet in the sacrificial spot. And so that your idea is really cool, but it, it undermines that. I, okay, I think I just got what you're saying. You're saying there's just these two tablets. There's you and the Gaia tablet. And they can just be in these two positions. And your rival managed to put them in the position of... Oh, wait, no. And this is why I was saying earlier, we need a diagram for this episode. Exactly. And so you in the past managed to put them in the position of you on the good side and Gaia on the negative side. No, it's that you had one of them and you got it into that into you either got the U tablet into the positive side or the Gaia tablet into the negative side but you didn't have the other one and in a separate room at some point so you I think it was that you had the Gaia tablet you put it in the sacrificial side you learn that in like the second act climax of this game you learn that you did that in the past and realize what you were which is this great evil and then you find that you're in a different room, the rival put the monster tablet opposite the U tablet, sacrificing you to create these monsters. Right. And so maybe the shaky connection is also partially like, maybe that's not an entirely even trade. And the only actual even trade is sacrificing yourself for the Gaia tablet. So that's why it's you know, faulty on both sides. Maybe the monsters also have some of that shaky thing. Oh, that's cool. It could even be that they only get created. They, they only have a chance to like get created when you are phased out of existence. 
because I think the monsters tablet creates them. It doesn't sustain them. So that's why they keep existing all the time. Um, this has been a super like semantics heavy or, or a super like logic heavy <laughs> portion of this episode. So I think we can, I think we can say that that's what it is. <laughs> and real. like, yeah, that's cool. Um, but I think that's, I love uh, that though. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that like happens on this show where it's like, Oh, I think a selling point for this would be, would be that from the beginning, there's this thing, which we just figured out the explanation to. So now we can go back, you know, write the, the write the thesis statement once you've written the conclusion paragraph. And so it's kind of like, we don't, we, we, it's, it's easy. It's obviously easier to pitch something, at least something like good when you know how it ends. But I do think it would be a really cool, like visual for this game. I think the, I think it would be, oh, that's the, that's the game where you're kind of like, playing this person who seems to kind of half exist in this realm and half not exist in this realm, which by the way, also like really brings us back to the, to the balance thing, kind of constantly on the precipice of existing and not existing as this character. It works really well with the thematics and it looks like it's just this cool, fun visual thing, but then it turns out that it has this very solid explanation. I love when movies and games tell you from the beginning what's going on and you just didn't have the language for it right you didn't have like the visual language in your head enough of this movie to understand what that message was and i think the beginning could be seeing a wire fray you know seeing something happen seeing just the last like act of some decaying process break this chain you know within this this one that's keeping you from existing and so, you know, so when you replay the game, you realize, oh, my God, that's why it's been like this this whole time. Yeah, it just showed you the whole thing the entire time. And then you see your character flicker to life and like gasp for a breath and whatnot. Yeah. And it could even be it could even be that you flicker to life in this position of you were about to bring your sword crashing down. You know what I mean? You flicker to life, you bring your sword crashing down on this blank space and look around and then you're like, where am I? Step out, the doors close behind you. You don't even process that you were just in this room and it locks behind you. So you can't get to it until the second act climax. You walk through this whole place, it's all locking behind you. You don't realize that, oh, the game is going to be unlocking these chambers that are kind of magically sealing behind me and then in this flashback sequence we see you are trying to bring your sword crashing down on the hero who at the last second sacrifices you slides you into the non-existence side of this thing into the sacrifice side of this thing and then you disappear there and he kind of like collapses like oh my god i just barely escaped so then the beginning of the game is the conclusion of that that's so good would you like to do a mini game minute? I would love to. I think this game is very ripe for mini games. <laughs> Something I think is funny about this game for mini for mini games is that you can cheese so many mini games by just like changing the physics of the world. <laughs> I think that could be a really cool feeling if it is like, oh, you could do this mini game in a normal mini game way, or you could go back and make it so that you can, you know, do it instantly by adjusting some parameters. Right. It could even be like, oh, this minigame is impossible. No way is this possible before you've learned the tablets thing. Anyway, you got a timer ready? I sure do. Um, three, two, one, go. Um, along those exact lines, there should be a foot race, and then you can use the tablets to make it really easy. I had the same idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking, imagine GeoGuessr in a game like this. Imagine playing GeoGuessr in a game like this. Oh, okay. Oh, that's really good. Um you can there's got to be something with phase fishing where you're like phasing in and out and catching fish in that way you get it <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm not sure if i do um uh playing volleyball with the local kids that's really good um you uh playing hide and seek with the local kids um digging holes that's what came into my head <laughs> You can find a lot of stuff in holes, yeah. Um, you can uh, grab birds. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> We're so bad at this. <laughs> the, um... No, keep it playing, keep it playing. <laughs> yeah, crank it. Um, that music really feels like a punishment after a bad game, Jelly. It feels like... <laughs> 
patronizing, you know, semi-happy corporate music. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like the bad version of the Final Fantasy Victory theme. You know? (laughs) Oh my god. Final... I want to play a mod of Final Fantasy where that plays at the end of every (laughs) battle instead of the victory theme. Oh my god. You killed the killer clown. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. I'm I'm still racking my head about what phase fishing is. There's got to be something there. You are, you're phasing in and out, so then you have to stand where the fish are going to be. And so it's like, you're, when you're flickering, like, the fish get caught in your stomach and then you're full. <laughs> that's, that's, I, this has been gay. What the hell? <laughs> that's Gollum's dream right there. Imagine just having a trout in your stomach without having to do any of the nasty slurping it down part. That's big Gollum energy for real. Just phasing out of existence and phasing back in so that your stomach is surrounding a fish. <laughs> that would really convince Gary that you are evil. I guess. That, <laughs> that would convince him that you've changed. Or just phasing around a cigarette so it's just, like, in your, like, looks. <laughs> Phase vapes. Phase vaping. Phasing around a vape, exactly. New minigame. You can play va- phase vapes. You can go buy phase vapes from the vape shop. I do kind of like the idea of, like, in Red Dead Redemption or something, a game like that, if you could... <laughs> being able to vape? Yeah, me too. Being able to vape. That would be so weird if you could just buy vapes in Red Dead Redemption too. No, being able to, you know, hunt something by timing your... Okay, I know I'm going to phase out of existence for this long at this time. So I'm going to... I'm going to, like... Oh, wait, you can't... It's not just... You're, you're not just turning invisible. You're literally ceasing to exist. So it's not just like you turn invisible. So maybe you couldn't use it for hunting or something. But I was just picturing like going into a dive, right? Way out in advance of something like skittering into the path. You know, it it it's this, you know, little squirrel or something you're hunting for. It, you know, takes a sharp turn to the right and you phase back into existence, completing the dive just in time to grab it. You see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? There's cool anime stuff to do there. I think it would be really hard to control as a player, though. But, like, that's how you could do the face fishing kind of thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was thinking, I think we have to give control to the player. Like, I think it would be a very cool, like, dodge button in this game. If that's your dodge button is being able to hold yourself out of existence for a little bit longer, which could lead to some very cool stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I think it would just have to be at some point you because it's it's kind of hard to say because it's like it is just this machine being broken this this you know temple thing being broken but i think it would just have to be that the the character realizes they can kind of control it and so then that just gives the player like at first it's totally janky and it just keeps happening but then at some point it's like you can hold the state you're in for longer with r2 or something like that you know what i mean yeah and and maybe that also gives us a sense that even when this character doesn't exist, th- th- like they're a little bit there. Does that make any sense? Like, no, for sure, for sure. If they have the ability to hold themselves out of existence, their agency might exist even when they're not there. So it's, I don't know, they're just part of the world then. Well, this has been Game Jelly. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to hold myself out of existence for about two weeks now. So you can just come back in. <laughs> Check back in <laughs> and we'll be there. Like I've said before, I'm always ready to go and Keating always just right after we record phases. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, I just wait on the Discord call for two weeks and then he comes back in and he's like, hey, I have a game about rocks. <laughs> How did you know? It's about geodes. Oh, Geodude Simulator would be fun. Oh, that would be very Oh, fun. they already, that's Pokemon. <laughs> oh, right. But yeah, playing as Geodude in a game would be really fun. <laughs> When they invented <laughs> when they invented Pokemon, they thought a Geodude simulator would be really fun. They should put Geodude in this game. Um, yeah, put um, uh, <laughs> why did I say that word? I was, I guess, I guess I'm gonna roll with it. Put a rating on the podcast on your on your player on your podcast player. <laughs> I'm gonna be cooking up a real good one for us uh soon on apple Podcasts, so keep an eye out if there's a jokey podcast there 
podcast review there. It might be mine. So just give that review five stars too to say that you really like it. Do you use Apple Podcasts? I do because I don't like flooding my Spotify recently played with podcasts and I have not put the time in to find another podcatcher. I see. It's fine, but not good. I see. I see. But that is a very good place for you to put uh, reviews, dear listener. That's it's true. one of the top places to put it. <laughs> Ignore my judgment of the fact. <laughs> yeah. I, you can hear like the cringe in my voice when I learned that Katie, but I'm not cringing at you. It's only. Um... It's cringe when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> and tell a friend about the show. Like we always say, uh, if you have a, if, you if you have a friend <laughs> have a friend tell them about the show i've been tieran costello and i'll be keating shimeri <laughs> catch you next time bye-bye bye Thank you again for listening, everyone. As promised, the pilot episode of Jar Half Full is live on our free Patreon right now. Keating prototyped a very goofy little game for that, and here's a clip of him talking about it. This is a little game I like to call po- co- oh. <laughs> I like to call poaching simulator. No. <laughs> I like to call poach- oh my goodness. <laughs> Coach pleading simulator. We also posted an exclusive April 1st video episode, which I do recommend checking out. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at game underscore jelly. Thank you to Ruth Demery for producing the show and to Dylan Lynch for writing and performing our theme music. Tune in on Wednesday, April 26th for a brand new original game. But until then, stay safe out there and tell your local streamer you've got the perfect game for them to play. It just doesn't exist yet. Bye-bye. <laughs>